Hello, friends. I have amazing news. We have a sponsor, a real honest-to-goodness American company making a quality product that we are happy to endorse. The name of the company is Bloom Farms Wellness. They make CBD products, balms, tinctures, vapes. They send us a bunch of samples, and I'm happy to say they're totally delightful. They have a dream tincture to help you sleep, get a good night's sleep full of rest. That works. I tried that. Also, the other day, I decided to repair a tape recorder that I bought as a swap meet. Sometimes I get a little stressed out or a little on edge when I'm dealing with old electronic equipment. I decided, you know what? Bloom Farm sent me all this stuff. Let me hit this vape pen real quick. They sent me something called the Highlighter Vape Pen. Let me take a little peep off this pen and maybe it'll put me in a mellow mood as I deal with this old tape recorder. And it totally worked. I mean, obviously, it's eventually it wore off and then I was stressed out again and I put in the Joni Mitchell tape that I wanted to listen to and the tape recorder ate the tape. And then I tried to take the battery compartment out and I wound up breaking it with a pair of pliers, but whatever. That's not Bloom Farm's fault. That's my own fault. While I was hitting that vape pen, everything was a-okay with that tape recorder. The products are grown and produced in the USA. No solvents, no additives. Beautiful packaging, by the way, if you're into that type of stuff. Best of all, Bloom Farms has a give-back program. For every product they sell, they donate a healthy meal to uh, someone experiencing food insecurity in California. To date, they have donated 3 million meals since 2015. Good stuff. Do you want to get in on this? Here's the website, bloomfarmswellness.com slash EPM. Gets you 15% off your order. I'm going to say it one more time. Bloomfarmswellness.com slash EPM for 15% off your order. The quality CBD products available at Bloom Farms Wellness. Thanks for sponsoring our podcast and thank you for the lovely merchandise. Welcome to Election Profit Makers, your guide to winning and losing money on current events and political outcomes. Sometimes we just, we touch on other things as well. I'm Kid Midas, and I'm joined by Long John Silver. Hi, John. Hey, David. How are you doing? You oh, look I'm okay. Great. You're wearing your muscle shirt. Okay, let's David's let's, muscles, sun's okay. out, guns out. Let's let's leave something to the listener's imagination. All right. Well, here we go. I have some uh, sad news to share with everyone. Starly's beloved dog, Opapa, has passed away after battling a heart condition. Um, Starly obviously is not on this week's episode, um, but we're sending our love and best wishes to Starly and to the late, great Opapa, who was a great dog. As far as I'm yep. concerned, a perfectly sized dog. Yes, he, he was a perfectly sized dog. Um, Starly, Bodhi, and I send our love, and Bodhi absolutely is half the dog of Opapa. Um, <laughs> Bodhi pales in comparison to Opapa. A- absolutely. <laughs> o- Opapa was an amazing dog. I'm not really a dog person, but I do have one nice memory of Opapa I thought I would share. Years and years ago when I lived in the Hudson Valley, Starley came up to my house to interview me about Jake Gyllenhaal and a website called celebheights.com. And when we were done taping the interview... Starley really wanted Opapa to be able to go run around outside because they were out of the city. They were in they were in the country in the Hudson Valley. So we drove to the Craig House, which was just outside town, which was an old grand estate that was later turned into a sanatorium, um, which saw patients like Zelda Fitzgerald 
Truman Capote, and Marilyn Monroe. But now this grand Gothic sanitarium was abandoned, which meant it was a great place to explore. They had had a wonderful sloping yard. And I remember when Starley unleashed Opapa on this huge, massive, tree-lined, sun-dappled lawn, how much fun he had racing around. Anyway, so that's just a nice Opapa memory I thought I would share with everybody. John, you just returned from another research mission. When last we spoke, you had traveled to Appalachia, 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 searching for J.D. Vance. Right. The hillbilly elegist. Now I come to find out you've just returned from the mountains where you were searching for Madison Cawthorn. Yeah. Tell me about tell me about your research mission to North Carolina's 11th Congressional District. Well, it was um, beautiful as usual. Um, I'm getting a little tired of driving up there, um, but I love it when I am there. It was a, a just a quick trip, just just a couple of days. Um, my parents are are up there for a little bit, and they invited us up to come up there. I did not see Madison Cawthorn. <sighs> While I was there, I only interacted I, uh, with one local, which was somebody at this um, crepe shop that we went to this you morning. You went to get some authentic hard scrabble Appalachian crepes. Y- yeah, yeah, she was really nice. Very, she was all like peace and love. I saw the mountains actually has that type of vibe. The the eleventh, a lot of it. Um, whereas the beach. It feels much Trumpier and sort of more ha- has more of an edge to it. Mm-hmm. The lo- the locals. Does that ring true to you? Or I can't remember the last time I went to the beach or to the mountains. So oh, I'm okay. going to absent myself from this conversation, lest I speak in overly broad terms about demographics and get out over my skis, so to speak. The last thing on earth I would want to do is to let my love of polemics interfere with my passion for analytical rigor. Right. So apparently Cawthorn was in the news. Right. So this is the wonderful setup to my little um, uh, story that I wanted to share with you, John. Yeah. It's no surprise that you didn't— Here we go. Okay. Pretend that I'm on a late—pretend that I just got booked on a late-night television um, talk show, and I'm coming out to do my comedy routine. So, John, you be Jimmy Fallon, and you introduce me. Say, oh, we have a— uh, Okay, David ladies making, and— Making his Tonight Show debut. Please welcome— Yeah, making, making his, his Tonight Show debut, David Reese, everyone. Hey, thanks, everybody. Uh, pleasure to be here, Jimmy. Um, so, my friend John went to the mountains recently in North Carolina— And um, he was looking for Madison Cawthorn, the youngest member of Congress, a rising star in the conservative movement. It's no wonder he couldn't find Madison Cawthorn, though, because I don't know if you guys saw this in the news, but political strategist Karl Rove uh, recently visited North Carolina's 11th Congressional District uh, and had some advice for uh, Madison Cawthorn, namely to stop traveling around the country so much and spend more time in his district. Is that a good joke? Yeah, that is a good joke. Yeah, <laughs> you know Jimmy Fallon would find a way to laugh at that joke. Yeah, because if there's one thing Jimmy can do, <laughs> you're right. He'd be like, "It's find a way to laugh." <laughs> yeah, slapping the desk, tears coming yeah. out his face. 
I'd turn to Jimmy and be like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, um, uh, yeah, so what happened was Carl Rove thought that Madison Cawthorn was focusing too much on building his national brand and really needed to attend to the needs of the voters in his district because he's a first-term congressional representative, and apparently if you win the second term, then you can really get that district locked down as solidly Republican. Hmm. Um, well, it turns out Madison Cawthorn, who won his election by 12 percentage points in 2020, um, is actually going to have some competition. There's going to be some um, Republican primary challengers. Uh, pretty interesting, right, everybody? And the crowd is yeah. like, oh, this is interesting. The crowd's like, oh, oh yes. Oh, okay, right. Still okay. Doing your best. It's pretty interesting, right, everybody? I don't know. Yeah, so anyway. Yes, it is. Yeah, and they're, they're, how interesting is it? Yeah, that's good. Right. Okay. Oh, the, oh, yeah, exactly. How interesting, yeah. how interesting is it? Well, yeah. um, guys, it's quite interesting. And then I step back, let everybody <laughs> applaud or smile or laugh just for a moment. Just a chuckle's worth. That's just a, uh, that's just a chuckler. That's not a knee just slapper. Just a beat. I'll say, and uh, there's also another thing that's very interesting, everybody. It turns out that one of the Republican primary challengers is the owner of a hotel in the mountains called the Pisgah Inn. Now, why is that interesting? Because when I was a kid and my parents and I would go to the mountains, we used to stay at the Pisgah Inn. So I guess you could say I'm kind of a celebrity now. Huge that's laugh. That's great. Huge yeah, laugh. That's good. Right? Yeah. Looks like yeah. Jimmy's not the only famous person on stage here tonight. Me too, because 30 odd years ago, I stayed at the hotel whose current owner is going to primary Madison Cawthorn. Standing. Uh, let's have a Just little more. Clap. A little more enthusiasm. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Or I could do the hipster meta comedian thing and be like, okay, uh, I'll strike that joke from the set uh, list. Yeah, oh, I, yeah. I go up with my yeah. little notepad, you know, it's like I'm. I'm Showing everybody that this is like a work in progress. Okay, uh, that one didn't go over well. No Pisgah in jokes related mm. to Republican primary challengers of Madison Coffin. Hey, Jimmy, uh, <laughs> how much more time do I have up here? Uh, can I do a few more jokes? Is there time? Would you guys like a few sure. more jokes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, gee, um, uh, speaking of uh, Madison Cawthorn, yeah, I wonder who's going to win that election. Thanks, you guys have been great. <laughs> Sorry, I, I shouldn't laugh at my, I, I should say, I'll be like, thanks, that's my time. You guys have been great. Oh, yeah. Just earnestly yeah, yeah. get off yeah. real quick. That, yeah. uh, that's, my, that's my time, y'all. Because I'm from North Carolina, I'll say, y'all. That's my time. Y'all been great. Thanks. I'm, and then say, I'm David Reese. Oh, right. One I'm David. Thanks. Just, uh, that's my time. I'm David Reese. Y'all been great. David Reese, everybody. David yeah. Reese. Give him a hand. Really funny guy. <laughs> really funny guy. Anyway, so that was my bit about how John went to the mountains to... Um, try to find Madison Cawthorn, and it's no wonder he couldn't find Madison Cawthorn because just probably around that very same moment, Carl Rove was criticizing Madison Cawthorn for focusing more on his national profile than his local profile. Now, I happen mm -hmm. to think, and this maybe I could say this part not as part of my stand-up set, but it's like a web exclusive, like backstage with Jimmy Fallon or like a post post gig interview. I could say, yeah, the thing that I didn't work into my uh, comedy set tonight that I wanted to mention was that I actually think it's probably smart of Madison Cawthorn to, to ignore his district and focus on his national profile because that's what gets fundraising. And he raised like $1.8 million this quarter. He spent like $12,000 at the Waldorf Astoria. He's living large and loving life. So I say- Yeah, what does Carl Rove know? He just, all he knows is the math. The math. Oh, you know what? Can, I, can, I'm going to steal that joke. Okay. I'll say- uh, Guys, I'm sorry, Jimmy, I have one more joke. Can I come back out on stage? I know this doesn't usually happen, but I forgot one joke that I have to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally interrupting an interview with some actor or actress or something. Yeah. Stumble out. Uh, okay, hey, everybody, it's me again, David. Um, 
Sorry, I just forgot to say one of my jokes during my stand-up set. Um, so Carl Rove gave Madison Cawthorn this advice, but like, what does Carl Rove know? All he knows is the math. Okay, excuse me, Mr. Calculator. Yeah, that was good. Did you forget to eat your AA batteries this morning? <laughs> that was good. Okay. Thanks, everybody. I really appreciate you funny. letting me come back out. I'll talk to you later. Goodbye. Uh, and then I run off. So you so you think it's good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so now we'll get into the actual real analysis. <laughs> right. I'm still... Um, I know. You're still thinking about my amazing set that I just did I on am. The Tonight Show. And you're loving it. And you're like, my friend yeah, has finally yeah. made it in showbiz. He finally, he finally did something that we can be proud of. That calculator joke. Uh, did you forget to eat your AA batteries this morning, Mr. Calculator? Ow! I was encouraged that Madison Cawthorn has at least three Republican primary challengers. I'm into that. Uh, but three, three. Is there one strong one? Well, hopefully they'll beat him and batter him. You know, he's going to, um, it's something that's going to happen this week, I think. Wait, what's today's date? Let me check. The 26th. He's going to meet, he's going to a $50,000 a plate fundraiser with President Trump at the Bedminster Golf Country Club later on July 31st. In New Jersey. Yeah, $50,000 a plate. Wow, for that, um, hold on just a second. $50,000 a plate. Wow, for that amount of money. $50,000 a plate. Wow, that's a lot of money. Um, I sure hope that you get a car with that amount of money. Uh, yeah. That's good. That's not quite there yet. That's not quite there yet. <laughs> $50,000. Wow, that's a lot of money for a plate at a fundraiser. What's the plate made out of? Solid gold? Yes. Oh, there we yes. go. I'll do it again. Okay, here we that's go. I'll good. Do, okay, we'll do it again. $50,000 a plate. That's a lot of money for a fundraiser. I wonder what those plates are made out of. Solid gold or money of some? Fuck, hold on. It's so funny. It's hard for me to not say it without laughing. <clears throat> $50,000 a plate fundraiser. Wow, $50,000 a plate. That's a really expensive plate. I wonder what the plates are made out of. Solid gold or money of some kind? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Paging Jeff Bezos. Yeah, because he's rich. Exactly. Let's try it again. Yeah. $50,000 a plate. Wow, that's an expensive plate at a fundraiser. I wonder what the plates are made out of. Solid gold or money of some kind? Paging Jeff Bezos. Oh, that was a good. Had to give a little. That pause. was really good timing. Let, yeah. the, let the audience yeah. catch up. Let the audience get up to speed. You yeah. Because I'm right. doing some heavy hitting here, and I just want to make yep. sure everybody's along for the ride. I don't want to leave anyone behind. I want everyone to come along on this chuckle wagon. Mm -hmm. So, John, that's it for me. I've done my time. You guys have been great. John, what do you want to talk about this week? I want to talk about GeoGuessr. Oh, ever heard of it? It's a g game. Oh yeah, that's right. We've we've discussed it already. So, oh, have we? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we have. Well, I happened to introduce it to my daughter uh, while we were at the mountains, and to my parents, and um, to my niece and nephew. Um, my niece wasn't necessarily interested, and, and neither was my dad. But everyone else was, and got totally obsessed. And I, I would say that uh, my daughter, Claire, is really good at it, as well as as my nephew, Ben. Um, that must make you feel so pretty it good. Might, it might be something that runs in the family. What exactly runs in the family? Just uh, ability to uh, recognize places by a simple photo and then find it on a map very quickly. 
Mm. A profound genetic inheritance that your daughter and nephew will enjoy for the rest of their days. You know, Claire wasn't that great when she first started. Ben was pretty good almost immediately. But I gave Claire a little bit of coaching and, and tips here and there and, you know, to see if you could see a front license plate or whatever. Or certain states have certain colored license plates that are blurred out and look at uh, particular trees, things like that. And she got really good pretty quickly, yeah. And remind our audience, what exactly is GeoGuessr? It's a, it, game, it it's a, a game. guessing game, right? It's a guessing game. And okay. they each particular game, you are given five locations. And there are five locations. And depending on the game you're playing, you, you could be playing the world. It'll be five locations anywhere in the world. Uh, we played a lot of United States, which was just the United States. And it, it you start and it drops you into onto some dirt road somewhere. It's a Just photograph on, in, of a location. It's a photograph from Google Street View. Okay. And you look at it and you go, you have to figure out where you are by panning around and moving about. And you can set a time limit on it or you could set no time limit. Um, and you, you basically try to figure out where you are on a map. And then you pull a map up and you go, yeah, this is really dusty. This looks like it could be Texas, maybe. I, I don't know. And then you choose it, and it's like, no, this this was up in Idaho. Uh, you were not very close, and therefore you, you only got 500 points out of 5,000. But if you nail it, if you're within 100 feet, you'll get a perfect score. You'll get 5,000 out of 5,000. And that's one. And then they show you four more. And then after five, you're done. And if to get a perfect score, you have to get them within 100 feet, all five of them. And then you get 25,000. Have you ever gotten 25,000? I have. I have. I, I have. I still have not gotten a perfect score or in the world or the United States. I think my... Top score in the United States, let me just look, is 24,213. Okay. So you have to be good at this, but you also have to have the luck of the draw. Every once in a while, you know, it'll drop you by the old well in Chapel Hill, and you're like, I know exactly where that is. Um, but you just said that you've gotten a perfect score, but you haven't, but then you said, I haven't gotten a perfect score. Well, I haven't gotten a perfect score on, on that, but there are other games in there that are more specific to certain things. Like there is oh. a there is a one for just U.S. cities. Okay. Okay. Um, this one is a, a moderate difficulty. The average score on here is fifteen thousand, and I have been playing this, and I got a perfect score the other day. And I actually got it in eight minutes and 59 seconds. Is that good or bad? That's, that's, that's good. I'm not ranked in, in the, the top three have perfect scores in 37 seconds, 42 Ooh. seconds, and 58 seconds. I have no idea how that's done. I, I, I don't know if they're running bots. I don't know if they got lucky. Uh, or or they're just simply, you know, have photographic memories and, and they're just amazing. Um, but so I have I did get a perfect score there. 
I have a perfect score in another one, which is called Skyscrapers. <laughs> and it just goes in Does it just show sky- you skyscrapers and you have to identify skyscrapers? Yeah, you have to not just identify it. You have to, like, it'll drop it, you drop you in front of one World Trade Center in New York. And then you have to find exactly where that photo is taken. That seems really easy because there aren't that many skyscrapers, are there? Well, here's the Tom, thing. Tom, how many skyscrapers are there in the United States? There, like 50, there are thousands right? and thousands what? of skyscrapers. Um, I don't know how many are listed in this particular game, but they're all over the world. So one World Trade Center I'm going to be oh, able to get. okay. But they'll list us, they'll put a skyscraper that's in Beirut. Um, and then you, you have to go and, and find it. And I, this, this one is, is easier. There's not as many uh, possibilities. Um, so, but free throws are easy. And if you were the number one free throw shooter in the world and you were able to hit, you know, 10,000 free throws in a row, that's impressive. Are you right? about to tell me that you're the skyscraper free throw champion of the world? I am ranked number one in the world. Wait, what? As, as of now. In, um, in GeoGuessr skyscraper mode? In GeoGuessr skyscrapers mode. I am yes. talking the, to the worldwide number one title holder of GeoGuessr skyscraper mode right now. Yes. Now, they list the top four people, and all of the top four people have perfect scores. Um, the, the guy who's in fourth place has 25,000 points, and he did it in 22 minutes and 46 seconds. Okay. So I'm number one in the world with 25,000 points. I did it in one minute and 47 seconds. Wait, what? How yeah. did you do that? Did you get lucky? No, no. I played a lot. How much have you played exactly? Let's really uh, break this. How many? I've played hundreds of games. Hundreds of GeoGuessr so the guy, games? The guy who's in second place, he did it in three minutes and 13 seconds. So I crushed him. And the guy who's in third place did it in 12 minutes and 48 seconds. I love this. This is like the, this is like the Olympics. This is like watching the Olympics, but with a clean conscience. Give me, the, give me these times again and give me these rankings There's again. a certain amount of, of skyscrapers that are going to come up, you know, like 50 or something like that. So after you've played the game 50 times, you've seen these skyscrapers before. So you... But I mean, again, again, it's a lot like sports. Playing certain people, you know what they're going to do. You still have to. We're all playing by the same rules. Mm, I don't know, man. That kind of, in my mind, compromises your victory a little because then it just sounds like you're you have that amazing time and that perfect ranking and that number one world title position just because you played it a lot more than anyone else. Could that be true? But I don't think I did play it more than anyone else. Because you think all those I, other people played it a lot. I've just started GeoGuessr. Oh, you're still a rookie. There's another one called U.S. Skylines. Oh, my God. This one, it, it, it's— Totally pandering to you. GeoGuessr is pandering uh, um, to John. I am not number one here, but I am number two uh, with a perfect score that I did in five minutes and 55 seconds. I beat out the third-place guy by two seconds. Uh, the first place biter. guy did it in four minutes and 49 seconds. This one is much harder than the skyscrapers one. So I don't well, know why if I'm is going skylines to... harder than skyscrapers. 
Because the the other one has a limited thing of skyscrapers. It has like 50 skyscrapers. This one has, let me see, it's got 125 different U.S. city locations. 120 different U.S. skylines to look at. Yeah. So, I mean, it'll drop you in somewhere in Birmingham or uh, Pensacola, Florida or Reno. Okay. And you have to find that location. You have to find it quickly and you have to find it exactly. Let's go into Olympics post, post-game interview mode. John, congratulations on the new number one world ranking in, in um, GeoGuessr skyscrapers. You must be feeling Thanks. pretty good right now. I am. What was it like when you finished your fifth and final guess and saw that perfect score and saw that time up on the board? What was going through your mind? Well, I got, I mean, honestly, I felt a little bit alone because um, I, I had done it by myself. It was probably, you know, late at night, might have been even in the, you know, middle of the night. Um, and it, it felt, uh, I, I was exhilarated and excited and, and, and relieved in some ways because I knew that I could stop at this point and go to bed. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I was... I was excited, but I wanted to introduce more people to the game so uh, I could have more people to compete against. Sounds like you're describing a melancholy and desolate feeling followed immediately by a fervent wish to draw others into your web of addiction. Is that a fair assessment, John? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I will fully admit that that I am addicted. We only have time for a couple more questions here. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, what's the best thing about GeoGuessr and what's the worst thing about GeoGuessr? For all the fans watching at home wanting to get into this sport. Well, the, the worst thing about it is is the uh, the addictive quality, obviously. But the, the best thing about it is I it teaches you uh, a lot about a geography. It's, it's not just a game, but then I now, I probably could draw a European map now. I've always been able to draw a U.S. map probably. Um, and I can identify all 50 states. In, in Europe, I don't think I could have always done that. I think now I could do that. And I could probably do that in Asia now too. Um, but the other thing is it you really are sort of visiting these places. It, it just drops you in mundane places and it's not necessarily the best place in that particular area. And you're seeing sort of real time... Uh, you know, video or, or photo of, of what's going on there. And, uh, I, you know, a lot of the world is pretty rough. Wouldn't it be ironic if GeoGuessr was actually a better engine for internationalism than the Olympics themselves? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. What if GeoGuessr is better at promoting a sense of common humanity across this amazing planet than the, than the corrupt and debased Olympic competition? I think it is. I think that's an excellent... Point. I think one of the things you learn is yes, the world is is quite diverse, but it's also much smaller than you realize. Mm. Um, it, the 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 more you play, you're like, okay, there are really only so many places I can go here. Um, and you 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 know, you, you start to appreciate it a little more. Words of wisdom from the world champion, top ranked player of GeoGuessr skyscrapers. Is that the one? Yeah, look look me up. My username is is Auto Nick and uh the, I, my my avi is a picture of a helicopter, so you'll you'll know it's me. And how is Auto Nick spelled? O T T O N I C K? Uh A U 
O-T-O-N-I-C. There you have it, folks. An interview with Otto Nick, the new world champion of GeoGuessr skyscrapers. We'll be right back after these messages. You are watching the Olympics on, NM, on NBC Sports, I think. I'm David Reese. We'll be right back uh, with more coverage live from the Olympic Village here in Tokyo, Japan. Probably not live. Men's racquetball coming up next. John, we have a listener question that I'd like to share with you and our listeners. It's from Kevin. Okay. Kevin says, "I re- actually, I don't even know if this is a question, but you think this is worth reading because of the information contained therein. Is that correct? Is Kevin one of these people that says, this isn't actually a question at the Q&A? Right. This isn't actually a, this is like, man, back in the day when I used to go see Noam Chomsky give talks and debates about the war on terror, and then you'd be in be at the new school in Manhattan and then be packed auditorium, Noam Chomsky debating somebody about the war on terror. And then they would get to the Q&A part and the moderator would say, please, please, we are all asking you, if you come to the microphone, to have a question and to keep it brief. Yeah, people were hearing that. People were definitely hearing that when they stood up at the microphone. You'd have two microphones, one on each aisle. Chomsky's sitting there with somebody else. Some dude shambles up to the microphone and you can tell one, you can tell already like this dude is about to rock this microphone to the edge of destruction. Um, yes, very interesting conversation. When it comes to Chiapas, please, we are not talking about Chiapas tonight. We are talking about the global war on terror. I thought people would be interested to know that we are having a pancake dinner in support of the Zapatistas tomorrow night in the Bowery. And I just wanted to read this uh, newsletter about, Ch- and people would be like, even Noam Chomsky wants John. I know we're getting a little far afield, but I just had a very vivid memory. Yeah. Good old Noam. I remember being at one of these things. Even yeah. Noam Chomsky finally snapped. Even Noam <laughs> Chomsky was like, ask a fucking question or sit the fuck down. I'm fucking sick of this. I've been doing these wow. events ever since the Vietnam War. Could one of you motherfuckers actually step to the microphone and ask a goddamn succinct question for once in your life? No one wants to hear your mother's recipe about yams and hear about some other shit you've got going on. Ask me a question about the global war on terror or sit the fuck down. Fuck you, I'm Noam Chomsky. Let me have a moment's peace in this life. Oh my God. He, now, he didn't put it in those words exactly, but I, okay, was, yeah. I was stunned when Chomsky was like, please, they've asked you to ask a question. Just, can you ask a question? And then, of course, everyone else starts booing. Oh, it gets, and then it gets so electric. I remember going to all these things. You know, I was never, I never saw combat in the global war on terrorism, but boy, oh boy, some of these Manhattans, some of these Manhattan debates when half the crowd would start booing because somebody wasn't asking a succinct question, and then the other, right. uh, other half of the crowd would be like, let him speak, let him talk. Let him talk. It's all connected. You know, talking yeah. about something that has nothing there, to do with the global war on terror, but it kind of yeah, does because connected. we all it's all geoguesser. We're yeah, all connected, it is all right? Connected. Yes. Oh my yeah. god! And then some poor uh, some poor outgun moderator would be like, "Please, can we just stick to?" Glo-? Oh my gosh! And I would be mm-hmm. sitting there in the back with my friends, like, "This is so exciting. This is this is really like a real being in a real war on terror. This is really exciting." Yeah. Anyway, like, I'm going to blog about this. At, oh my God, uh, I can't wait to go at, home at and, 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 and go on Blogspot this. and see what people say about this. The instant reaction yeah. on Blogspot and Live Journal. I went to a debate yeah. at the 92nd Street Y this evening, and I have to say, I was very disappointed in the crowd's inability to ask a succinct question about the rationale of the global war on terror. Some of them just wanted to hog the spotlight and talk about unrelated things. Oh, 20 years ago it was. 20, 20 short years ago this fall when all that started. What was the name of your blog? 
I didn't really have a blog. I would just read other blogs. Oh, okay. Yeah. The, the uh, reality-based community blogs. I think that stuff... They would all say, like, a reality-based yeah, community. Yeah, right. That was the zinger back then. That was the yeah, zinger back like then. Fire Dog Lake. Oh, now who are you bringing um, back to some blogs? Unclaimed territory. <laughs> Keep the blogs. Let's do this. Hey, let's go back on Jimmy Fallon, and you can do a bit about Global War and Terror oh. blogs. God, I don't know. If I Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is right. making his Tonight Show debut. It's kind of a uh, different type of comedy than we're used to here, but here at the Tonight Show, we like to have fun. Everybody, put your hands together for John Kimball. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, every anyone out there remember the War on Terror? Woo! Yeah, boo! Mix mixed uh, reaction from the Tonight yeah, Show audience. Yeah. Right. Okay. I get that. I get that. I you know. I'm acknowledging that yep, it's that's kind perfect. of a mixed reaction, right? Yep, perfect. Um, remember blogs? Woo! <laughs> Some yes. people are laughing kind of condescendingly. <laughs> Anyone remember Eschaton? Woo! This is going to be an amazing bit. This is going to be the greatest comedy yeah. bit of all time. Yeah. Keep going. Uh, this is great. Fire Dog Lake? Woo! Anyone? Audience looking at each other like... Uh, is this comedy or is this like something beyond comedy? Okay, audience yeah. is getting excited. Enthusiasm um, and confusion grows hand in hand. Digby much? <laughs> Cut to Jimmy Fallon literally having an orgasm. Tears shooting out of his eyes as he slams his desk in unabashed glee. Okay, keep it going. Okay, but seriously, y'all. We got to give it up for Bill Mon. <laughs> Cut to the roots. Questlove falls off his drum stool because he's laughing so hard. Keep it going. Keep it going. Network executives in the control room like, who's this guy? John Kimball? What was his name? John Kimball? You're telling me this kid just goes out and lists off left-wing political blogs from 2000 and 2001? Liberal Oasis? Who's his agent? Who, who's his agent? Get his agent on the phone right now. <laughs> I wonder if our listener numbers have skyrocketed people pulling over their cars and calling their friends and like, you have to listen to this podcast. This guy is pretending he's on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon and that his bit is just listing old left-wing blogs. I can't remember anymore. Can you? Of course, there were the Talking Points memo. Bro, you, you know. didn't even scratch the surface. What about Media Whores Online? Remember Media, oh, yeah. Whores, Media Online? Whores Online? What about my man WanCole.com? Yeah. Informed Comment. Wasn't yeah. that the name of yeah. his blog? Oh, yeah. Man, come on. Get your head in the game, John. There's a okay. lot more material Give here. Give me some you, more. Seven minutes, man. You could do you could do a tight 45 minutes just listening to these I was really into blogs. Bill Mon and Digby. Oh, oh, the Daily Howler. Daily Howler. You could add that to your routine. Yeah. Let's keep it moving because this is a wonderful podcast that we enjoy doing. John, we have this listener question. Oh, right. This is what set us off on our whole thing about questions. Kevin writes okay. in to say, I realize you said you weren't going to talk about space this upcoming episode, but I must amplify a point about the clocks on GPS satellites. This is something that we've been discussing recently. Last week, we pitched a Hollywood movie called The Clock Setter about an astronaut whose job is to reset atomic clocks on satellites. Imagine her surprise when she enters the satellite and finds a birthday cake to her with a message cryptic and ominous written in delicate frosting. But let's put that aside for now. Kevin writes, there are actually two contradictory relativist effects on the clocks. It is true that objects that are moving relative to each other experience time dilation, that is time slowing, and the satellites are moving fast enough that they lose about seven milliseconds per day relative to clocks on Earth. However, 
there is a countervailing effect from gravity. Objects also experience time dilation when they are subjected to a stronger gravitational acceleration, or any other acceleration, really, but gravity is the important one here. So, GPS satellites are experiencing about one-quarter the gravitational force that objects on Earth's surface are, and as a result, they actually gain 45 milliseconds per day. So, yes, Kevin concludes, the atomic clocks on the GPS satellites had to adjust for both effects to the tune of about 0.38 milliseconds per day. Thank you, Kevin. Food for thought, right? Yeah. Thank you. Oh, and then he says, I would totally watch a movie about the woman who has to reset the clocks on satellites. So go for it. John, let's start our screenplay. We've never co-written a screenplay. It could be a lot of fun. Do you own this yeah. software program called Final Draft? It works perfectly, has no issues, and yet somehow is the industry standard. <laughs> Does Is it is compatible to iPhone? Cause I don't know if you can use Final Draft on an iPhone. It's probably easier to use Final Draft on a I, typewriter. I just want to say that yes. I did play GeoGuessr on, the, on, the, on the, the computer. It is a lot easier. You can see a lot better, but all of those are high scores that I got were on the phone, so. Good to know, good to know. John, there's some listener feedback that you wanted to get into. Why don't you read some of these and comment on them? Well, one 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 person wrote in, uh, Jeff wrote in, hi, John, this morning I learned that Montgomery County, Pennsylvania is 165 miles from Montgomery County, Maryland. That made me wonder if there are two other places with the same name that are closer together. Any ideas? None for me. Well, I th that is a good, and I'm sure one of our listeners could probably put together some kind of bot and put all the counties and the distance from one another and come up with all of them. Um, uh, I don't have that ability, and I didn't read this until like 10 minutes before we went on, but I decided to, to just print out the state of North Carolina. Whoa. And, and the state of Virginia. Describe um, what I'm looking at here on my Zoom screen. Uh, it's it's a, a blurry printout of the state of Virginia uh, and a, a much better printout of the, uh, the state of North Carolina, and it's the county maps for each. And then I've stapled them together as, you know, they are Virginia north of North Carolina. Um, Wait, hold that up. You did that? I didn't see that. Hold that up to the camera. Look at that. You really did it. You stapled yeah. two maps together. Good for you. Wow. And then yeah. you have a bunch of crazed red lines going from Virginia to North Carolina and back again. Yeah. Okay. Those lines, this is looking uh, kind of intense. Yeah. Well, and you see circles too. I see the circles. The circles are are the counties uh, in Virginia and North Carolina that, that, that they share names. Um, I could find eight counties and and one that's that's almost the same um and then i drew lines between the counties and then i went into google maps and and determined how far away they were from one another so the the audience is dying to know what county in north carolina is closest to a county sharing its name in virginia there's the one that's almost closest. Can I just mention this one? I really want to mention it. I know, it. but it doesn't really, qualify okay. because it has to be the same name per the email from the listener. Well, Northampton County and Southampton County border each other. But the funny thing is Southampton County, Virginia is north of Northampton County, North Carolina. Okay, so you, ha you have my attention. Go on. That's it. 
That's it. That's bizarre. Those two counties border each other, and you would think that the Northampton County would be in Virginia and the Southampton would be in North Carolina. Yeah, I'm kind of having a hard time wrapping my head around that. I would advise you, as we both pursue our stand-up comedy careers, that you not make this part of a routine because it's okay. so unsettling and weird that I think you would just alienate the audience. All right. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Because how could you how could you turn this into a joke without making people truly frightened? Right. Anyway, so now tell us the closest name counties that are the closest together, and they both have the same name. Uh, there, there's there's eight of them. Um, there is Rockingham County and Brunswick County, Cumberland, Lee, Orange County, Mecklenburg County, Rockingham. Halifax and Franklin County. Those are the ones that are in both states. And Halifax County and Franklin County are closer to the others, Halifax and Franklin County, than Montgomery County, Virginia, and Montgomery County, Maryland. Halifax County is is only 103 miles from Halifax County. Well, Jeff, there's your answer. John did find County, two other places. Franklin County is 138 miles from Franklin County. <laughs> so I'm thinking there are a lot of cases because I just did this with my eyeballs in <clears throat> the state I live in. Mm-hmm. Um, that should be the name of your first comedy album. I just did it with, the, with my eyeballs in the state I live in. Comedy by John Kimball. Yeah. I was working on that instead of looking at the infra. Yeah, we're going to have to punt on the closure. infrastructure bill for the ninth week in a row. Uh, they're still they're still going back and forth about what's going to be in the bill and what's going to be in reconciliation. And um, I don't know what's going to happen with this fucking infrastructure bill. We got an email uh, from one of our listeners, Grace, uh, who, who writes about... Um, phallocentrism and architecture and buildings and uh, why it is um, an an interesting thing to study and look at. And what do you think? I definitely believe that phallocentrism is a thing. uh, In buildings, though, uh, particularly tall buildings, it's hard to make, I mean, they don't have to be shaped totally roundly like a with, you know, the things at the base to represent a um, but they all have to be tall in in that sense or like uh, people were talking about the rocket that uh, Bezos uh, went up in and that that looked very phallic I don't know how you design a rocket not to look phallic you can't like have a sphere go to space maybe you can at some point um you know, it's not like they painted uh, it to resemble penis. Uh, yeah. If Jeff Bezos's rocket to space had a really graphic, gross paint job to really make it look like an erect penis with veins and stuff and testicles, that would have been incredible. Yeah. Right. the The thing that I noticed most about that rocket was not the phallic shape of it, which it, it was. <laughs> It was just how dirty it was. It was grimy. White is like it wasn't, it was kind of just grimy and not, I don't know. 
maybe they had like had to test no fire the space. Why are we something. talking about space again? No, no space. Okay, Shut it down. I don't know. But you, if you guys go back and look, you'll notice it was kind of like had black stuff smeared on it. It just looked kind of cruddy for such a historical. John, I kind of agree. I don't see how you would make a large building with a small footprint such that its height exceeds its width. Of course, it's going to necessarily look phallic. But in Grace's defense, there are many buildings that are completely— It's too much. It's just uh, a little too much. Yeah, right. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're curved at the top, right. and, uh, and I mean, right. they truly do. And also, why um, do we associate such architecture with strength and vitality? Why is it considered the benchmark of a powerful skyline or of a first-world country to have a massive building piercing the sky? Just because I think anything large is uh, good, yeah, generally is looked at as being powerful. Right. Um, I don't know. Huge bridges. I love. I love that. That's interesting. Bridges are a symbol of power, I guess. But you're right. They are not explicitly phallic. What is a bridge? What are the psychosexual dimensions of a bridge? That should be the next question that we consider in our okay. in our side hustle, which is our podcast. The erotics of architecture, an in-depth right. look. Or a dam, you know, the Hoover what Dam. What is a dam? Yeah, is a dam yeah. more of a feminine? Stadiums. Think about what stadiums. What is a stadium? A stadium could be a womb. Uh, it's a womb-like thing, right? It's the home yeah, for there life. Was, there was one that famously built a few years back, I think somewhere in, in Asia, that, uh, you know, resembled a vagina in many ways. The psychosexual elements of architecture. Election Profit Makers, this podcast, is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Powell with help from Houston Snyder and Kat Iosa. Over on Patreon, the famous website, you can find the page that helps support this podcast, and we would really appreciate it if you would help us. It's patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. You can send your election prediction questions or geo-guesser high scores or information about the psychosexual elements of bridges, dams, and other bits of infrastructure to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. If you want to try the famous website Predicted, which we sometimes use to make bets, although not recently because John got addicted to GeoGuessr and replaced one addiction with another, you can go to predictit.org slash promo slash EPM20 to receive up to $20 in matching funds. And of course, as always, rate and review and uh, tell your friends and um, tell anyone whose path you happen to cross throughout your busy day. Please stay safe uh, from the Delta variant. That's a little bonus free, free wisdom I'm dropping on everybody. I'm David, and I'm going to say goodbye now. And I'll say goodbye to you too, John. Um, happy geo-guessing to you and to yours. Thank you. Bye. And uh, rest easy, oh papa. You were a good boy. Yeah. 